Um, so welcome everybody to another Meet the Author. Very excited. We've got um, an exciting day today. Uh, we've got Jeff Dalto back with us and he's going to be talking about a booklet that he did in collaboration with 37 other people. They're going to be joining us too today. So we're going to have a lot of people in the room with us today. So it's very exciting. What I did want to ask, because we're going to have a lot of people who may want to speak, is if we can keep what were our comments short um and to the point so that everybody has an opportunity to speak and so what this might mean is that um we may send uh people a a little bit of a, a dm privately to say to wrap up a point um if we need to so just a heads up on that because it's a little bit different than we usually do um but i think everybody can understand because we've only got an hour so i'm going to throw it right to you gary uh what are we doing today well, like you've already said, we've got um, Jeff Dalton joining us again. And this time, Jeff is going to talk about his booklet, Safety Success Stories. So we're not talking about once upon a time or a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away stories, but real stories of real successes implemented at real organizations by real people like you. So Jeff, welcome back. As we say, this is your second time on Meet the Author. This ebook that you put together, it's a sequel to that new safety guide that you published two years ago. So what inspired you to seek success stories and compel them? Um, well, hi to everybody, first of all. And uh, I guess before I answer that question, Gary, I do, I do want to point out <clears throat> I'm a Michigan State Spartan. So um, for those of you who are familiar with that story, horrible tragedy in the United States. Uh, feels weird celebrating successes this week. But nonetheless, uh, to answer your question, Gary, actually, you were part of it. Uh, primarily, uh, discussions I had with my sometimes collaborator, Jeff Lith from safetydifferently.com. And we uh, were talking about doing uh, a, a successor or a follow-up to the uh, guide that came out a year or two earlier. And I had been having conversations with Jeff about how um, there's a lot of interest in implementing some, some different ideas and a lot of times people didn't quite know how to do it. And I had had similar discussions with you as well, Gary, over the years. There. So that was um, part of it was just smart people like Gary and Jeff suggesting it. So thanks to them. I also just thought it was a great opportunity to, you know, let, let people share their success stories, which is cool. I think it helps people learn. Um, we might talk more about learning from failure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mentioned I'm in a research lab at, at Boise State University writing papers on that right now. But uh, but th that's the gist of it. it was just the opportunity really to get people to celebrate their successes, share their successes, let other people learn from those successes as well. Good. And I think you also mentioned that the fourth, this is a living guide. So that's if you want to send in more stories for submissions, because we know there's going to be more coming, we need to work on uh, maybe an opportunity, a channel where you can submit those stories. So stay tuned to that. And Jeff and I, and tomorrow we'll figure something out that you can submit your stories here. Yeah, and people well, can definitely just use my personal stories. email for that as well. Yeah, 37 stories. It is a lot to absorb and, and sink in, but uh, I know I read each story at least twice just to understand if I got it in and did my own analysis of it. And I, as I read them, I noticed patterns or themes were beginning to emerge. So I generated um, a few word clouds. And you can see if you click on my background, or you can see my background. And um, tomorrow, I'll put that in the emails. This is one of the word clouds that was generated that Jeff and I would like to talk about. So tomorrow, um, how can we blow that up so people can see? Because I'm going to ask Jeff to talk about some of the clusters that we're seeing. Okay. Um, let me thing. just let me just get it up on my screen and I can share it for you. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do a bit of screen share and just um, let Jeff talk over it. Um, I think, as you know about um, word clouds, the words just fit into a certain thing and there's no real association, but we found a bit of association. So Jeff, why don't you talk a bit about what you found? Yeah, so this was the, am I correct, Gary? This is the, the first 
of the five or so word clouds you created? Yeah, is that yeah right? the one that we agreed that. Let's talk about this one. Yeah, okay. So um, I've got a little cheat sheet here that uh, that we had identified earlier. So I'm not actually looking at the word cloud itself. So help me out if, I, if I'm if i going astray. But yeah. Uh, yeah, up, up by, if, if you look at that word cloud and think of it as the, as, uh, uh, the face of a clock, you know, we're talking about 12 o'clock. Um, we had identified uh, some some words at the beginning, uh, the top 12 o'clock, uh, work, performance, challenge, compliance, control, design, traditional practices and, and incident. And, and then around uh, 10 o'clock, tell me if I'm still right here, Gary, uh, simple and different, uh, work is done, result, error, accidents, crews, nine o'clock decision, failure, blame, health, trying conditions, eight to seven, we've got help, sense, view, approach, process, resilience, language, culture, risk, change, and understanding. Around six o'clock, we've got uh, listening, trust, context, clear, understanding, capacity. Five o'clock, workers, people, experience, know, and procedures. Around four and three o'clock, possible quality, purpose, system, and opportunity. And then uh, I've got a note, two notes here. Right above safety, we've got leadership, learning, review, improve, engagement, frontline, engineering, HSE, support, everyone in relationships, and then right below safety, we've got focus, problem, service, incidents, collaboration, investigation, best, care, and involved. And Gary, am I right that you, you would kind of sense kind of a, a story building in those words? Do yeah. I recall that correctly? Yeah. So if, you, if people know things about word clouds these words are just sized by usage and and they're just randomly positioned to fit words onto one landscape but i think if you look at that and you listen to jeff as he went around the clock counterclockwise we think there's a story about the stories and that story would go like this an event has just happened which became an emerging opportunity Leadership used a different approach that moved away from errors and blame. Frontline crews, engineering, HSE, and support were involved in conversations. Experienced workers were asked questions and everyone listened to their work has done stories. The key was understanding the trying working conditions that created deviations from compliance and traditional design practices. The learning review focused on purpose, value, time, quality, trust, and care. Engaged teams investigated possible ideas for improvement by challenging processes and procedures. Collaboration resulted in simple and complex changes to the system that offered the best sense for the given context. Results were sustainable due to a change in language, high levels of capacity, resilience, and improved communication, relationships, and psychological safety. So that little story there, I think I've covered like about 90, 95% of the words that are on the word cloud. So let me just stop here and just um, open up the mic to anybody who wants to say, what do you think about that? Is that the sort of thing that resonates with you? Anybody on the line? Do you want me We've to stop sharing or do you want me to keep it up? Um, you can take it off now. Um, we'll go back to look at um, faces. How's that? Okay. Okay. Uh, let me just say, I think we can pop the, let me just, if I can pop that. Right. I just popped that um, word cloud into the chat panel as a JPEG. So you can click on that and you can see what we did. did. Oh, okay. Perfect. Thanks. So, so Jake, I'm going to, you're one of the contributors. So if you don't mind, I'd like to just ask you in that word cloud, do you kind of see the story that you shared in there? Oh, Jake, I opened your, can you open up your mic? Uh, yeah, there's definitely lots of elements uh, in there, uh, uh, for sure. 
Yes, I mean, short answer is yes. I mean, I can see a lot of the elements uh, of the story in there. And the, the story that you pulled together makes sense. It's kind of neat to see the overarching story and the theme that, that fits together so many of the different stories. So yeah, yeah. yeah. If I could add on to Jake there, I, I think if I recall Jake's story, I also just reread the booklet. Um, he, obviously all these stories are gonna have to do with people, but, but his was directly about one person. And and I, that's an element of his story that that I really liked. If I'm, am I getting that correct, Jake? Uh, yeah, correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that, that your your story was was kind of an homage to, to to the hard work of of one person and their person's perseverance, and that's one of the elements of your story that I like so much. The um a little teaser, if we have time, is Gary just read a story that he constructed out of the word cloud. If we have time, we, we did a little experiment with ChatGPT, which maybe we'll be able to share at the end of this one as well, where it told a story. Good. Anybody else um, want to make a comment about the word cloud? Or, um, of course, this is the booklet here Jeff put together, and it's, it's a free download as well. So definitely something that you want to have somewhere in your digital library, if you can. Okay, and I think tomorrow, if, you, if anybody wants to comment, they just use the um, stick up your hand and then we can take them by order. All right. Okay, um, Rosa, I think you just joined us. I've actually been here, but on a different channel because my uh, Zoom, Zoom links were not working. Tech issues, why not, eh? Yeah, yeah, so here I am. Hello. Yeah. Hi there. So of course you were one of the contributors as well, and you told you told a story. And what we've just did as a bit of a summary, we just looked at the word a word cloud that I had put together based on those thirty-seven stories here, and we just asked Jake to see, like you know, in your particular success story, do you see your elements kind of in the word cloud? And can you see the word cloud? Um, I can see it, and yeah. I think what's missing for me is perhaps the word transformation or personal transformation. Uh, because in my story, it was about a uh, regional manager who underwent a personal transformation and understanding how he had to change his relationships and communication with the employees. Yeah, good point, really good point here. Yeah, these are only the words that were most used by other authors that show here. But you're right, there's lots of other words. And you know, we did other word clouds too that had smaller words and uh, we just picked this word cloud. So this is, there's more than one, right? <laughs> if you like in this whole Absolutely. Thing. No, I'm not criticizing the word cloud. Yeah. Just, no, just that's adding to it. <laughs> so, that's a good point by Rosa. And, and it's, it's a different story than Jake's, but both stories were about people who who kept plugging away and kept working hard at their time. So there was a commonality there, even if the, the two uh, protagonists were, were on slightly different paths. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a real good segue into the next topic, which is about the emerging opportunity, okay? And we, as you say, we saw a wide range of starting points. So Jeff, can you share um, a few of those emerging opportunity starting points with some of the authors? find that. So um, Gary, our, our, our co-host here, um, his story starts with a fatality. So that's near the, the end of the guide. Um, Moni Hogg, I, and I hope I'm pronouncing everybody's names correctly. So apologies in advance if I, if I misspeak. Uh, her story is set in, in a fast-paced, rapidly changing environment. Diane Chadwick Jones, who contacted me this morning because she was planning on attending, but had a personal, uh, personal thing came up, so she, uh, she couldn't make it. Uh, Rule-breaking incidents. Uh, our friend Jake, who's already spoken briefly, uh, heavily regulated culture of fear, which we also saw in, in some stories from Adam Johns and, and Simon Bowen, I think, or Bon, I think, I'm not sure how to say it, probably Bowen, and, and also Jill Koenig. Um, Tanya Hewitt, uh, her story is about changing herself or how we can all change ourselves. Um, one that I, I, I really appreciate it, because I'm trying to do some things similar work myself right now. Bob Edwards and Andrea Baker talking about fitting oh, some recommended 
methods into existing workplace processes and procedures. Karsten Bush um, told a really interesting story of almost new view by accident because he, he and his team were forbidden to do an investigation and it led to a better uh, understanding in that case. It was a great story. Uh, Jennifer Cerne, uh, learning arising from, from her unfamiliar, unfamiliarity and non-expertise. And Pam Olasky, who I think might be here as well today, uh, attention between compliance requirements and business goals. Yeah. So Adam Johns is uh, is on the line, uh, or is, is joining with us. Hi, Adam. You there? Hi, everybody. Yeah. So um, your story was interesting because I think you talked about a regulated culture of fear. Can um, or a punitive culture of fear, if you like. So can you maybe just expand on what you kind of talked about with Simon? Yeah, so um, I work in an organization, a, a light rail in, uh, operator in London. Um, myself and my boss, uh, Simon Bowne, have been spending the last couple of years with our team uh, trying to implement a restorative just culture and a learning review process within the organization. Um, and it's an organization that previously was very punitive focused. So there was a lot of blame, a lot of punishment, uh, a lot of use of language like investigations and interviews and standing people down and disciplining people and all that kind of stuff. Um, so in, in the story I've told in the PDF, uh, the main focus was really around changing language in order to try to um, sort of in, incrementally move the culture in a new direction. Uh, and we've seen, um, obviously I sent this story to, to Jeff probably about a year ago now, um, but we've seen even even greater strides in the right direction since then, just by focusing on the language and taking um, sort of negative language or language that had a negative connotation within the organization and scrapping it and replacing it with more neutral language and that enabling us to make a change more towards becoming a learning organization um, and trying to really remove the, the blame and punitive approach that we had. Yeah, I really like your saying about words create worlds. I think that's it's always resonated with me when I first heard that from you. Um, but I think language, as we say, is, is is so important. It is, yeah, and um, it's something I presented on at the uh, Safety Two conference in Florida last month. Um, and I have to credit Tom McDaniel, who organised the first one of those four years ago. I know Tom Tom McDaniel's been in this space for many years, but he's the one who inspired me to start looking at language as the the main focus in this space moving towards becoming a learn, learning organization um, if it wasn't for him in that conference four years ago then i probably wouldn't have uh, taken this organization down this path yeah yeah i think it's all about the learning and the shared learning that we get so they're another good example there okay and just just speaking of learning um, learning obviously was an important outcome jeff of this whole book that you put together um, what are, what were some of the lessons learned that resonated with from you from the different stories? Oh, let me. That, that was the one I, I just referred to. Well, maybe two. Um, just off the list that I just kind of talked through. Uh, first of all, the the Bob Edwards and and, and Andrew Baker one, where um, you're, you're trying to fit things in, fit something new into an existing pattern or structure or convention. And I think that that's not a bad way to do something as opposed to uh, completely trying to start from uh, an empty slate and, and rebuild things from scratch. So I thought there was a lot of value in that. I find myself in that situation myself right now at work. And then, um, you know, Karsten Bush's story, and it would be great if Karsten's here. I don't know if he is or not, he's a busy guy. But, um, you know, he his story was started by uh, being told he couldn't do something, and he and his team were upset and indignant about it, and um, it led them down a different path that ended up be, he felt uh, with richer outcomes and richer learning. So that was one for for sure. Since uh, life is a little uncertain and unpredictable, um, something to keep in mind that you can learn from the unexpected and when you're not entirely in control. Yeah, lear learning teams was a real common theme that we heard throughout the different stories, whether it was a, an improvement team or just a learning review. And Ivan Popoviti, of course, shared his story um, with the forestry people about essentially 
taking what existed at the time and having to really transform that, Rosa, here's a word, into a learning review. And I think he also said too, which Adam, you talked about, it's, it's a tough, hard slog. It's not something that just magically appears the next day, but it takes a lot of perseverance for that to take place. Okay. Um, you mentioned about Carson Bush. Uh, I think Carson, uh, Dan Hammerdahl, and anybody that knows Dan, Dan was the, the founder for Safety Differently. And now he's in, he's in New Zealand and he's um, working on the regulatory side but looking at from the new view. So coming up with some really fascinating stuff and he's refined this approach as well. And the big thing for him is not focusing on behaviors, but focusing on systems and work conditions. And how often have we heard that sort of thing repeat itself? Because then if we can focus on the system and work conditions, then we get away from the blaming aspect of thing and not in individuals. And then we can also look at and ask the question, so what are things in the system or conditions that are influencing, driving, forcing people to behave the way that they do? Okay. To, that, to that point, Daniel Hamadel's um, story, uh, one thing I liked about that as well is it ends with, with him acknowledging that he's refined that process over time. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of value just saying like, well, you can start somewhere. You can make, you know, have have some success, but you can refine your process over time. You can get better and better over time. And that was one of my big takeaways from, from his piece, other than just like let's be systemic, was that he got better over time. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think another learning point that we discovered is start small and be persistent. You don't always have to look for the big change because uh, quite often as we discovered the big change may start at the very top with the ceo and, and the c-suite and they launch it and they say good luck and they sometimes just disappear and you kind of like where is that sponsorship because it's now been passed down delegated down to middle management and sometimes they start to flounder so in some respects we're finding that um, as philip harris and, and phil's not on with us today because he talks about don't boil the ocean. What do you think Phil meant by that? Don't boil the ocean. Don't Anybody kill the fish. <laughs> I, I, I took it, of course, to mean uh, don't bite off more than you can chew uh, and, and take an incremental marginal approach like you're talking about. And, you know, there's some people here online. I see Mike Phillips there. And, and, and he, his story starts with his story is about one small thing and i want to reserve that later because there's a little category uh grouping uh, of similar stories that mm -hmm. um, that might and we may have mike talk about that in a little bit but his story is based off this one common thing that comes up in multiple stories but i like the idea of just starting small and, and, and not boiling the ocean yeah rosa uh thank you i, I know uh and my my raising of my hand isn't working on my <laughs> Uh, on Zoom, sorry, uh, Tamara. So I was trying to say something earlier because I, I just had this insight when we were uh, we were talking about um, working on the systems as opposed to blaming. Okay, uh, and I thought, you know, I always had trouble with that because I, I feel like emotions and feelings get in the way of working on the system. Okay, so so if I don't develop the trust in the work group first, then they're not willing to go forward into, you know, into doing that work. But I think um, the reason that working on the systems uh, uh, does create change is, is because we are removing the blame. So, I mean, it, it, I never had that insight before. It's like, as soon as you start saying, okay, let's work on the system, you're also working on let's build our relationship and our trust. The, the two are interwoven together. Yeah, and if you recall, when we had David Poven on talking about his book, and he talked about the different building blocks, his number one building blocks for safety professionals is influence. 
don't do anything else until you create the influence, which means you've got to build the trust and relationships. That allows you, enables you to go forward. Then you can start looking at systems and processes. So I like, I like this, the message that he gave us in that particular session. You know, and something to pick up on Rosa's point just there, this came up in a class. Uh, and I have a class at Boise State University and we're doing needs assessments for performance improvement projects. And one of the things we thought of being systemic and talking about the system and analyzing the system and improving it is it, um, it can remove the defensiveness because you're not talking about people. And, and it's, little, it's arguably less threatening to talk about the system than it is to talk about Jeff's failures. So I think that's maybe a nice road in too. Yeah. One of our one of our colleagues from uh, from South America is Hugo, Hugo Rabiro. And if you recall, um, I, I've been on Rabiro's um, show, which was fun. And we've also had Hugo on here. He talks a bit about, again, under the theme of starting small and be persistent is more is not always better. So what do you think he meant by that? His story happened to be, oh, sorry, somebody on? Yeah, Vince, go ahead. Yeah, I had my hand up, so. Oh, I'll I didn't either, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll just jump in. Yeah. Uh, two things, one, going back to boiling the ocean, it reminds me of one of my bosses had this wonderful phrase, um, you can't eat an elephant in one bite. So anytime something seems overwhelming, I always hear that person's voice just reminding me, you can't eat that elephant in one bite, you know, figure out how to break it down. So that was a good, really good learning. And the other gift that I got was um, I had, I had, when I first, when I was young and I first started my job at Metro and um, full of vim and vigor, you know, you know, that kind of person, right? getting into the position. And I had a woman who just for some reason did not like me, we, you know, clashed. And then I finally sat down with her and had a conversation and she, she wanted to do health and safety. Right. And I was like, oh, well, this is wonderful. I've got somebody else. And so oh, speaking and having coffee with her and getting no to know her and, and her story taught me to then go do the same thing with the rest of the team um, in the store. And I found out very quickly that a lot of the employees, not the management, but the actual employees wanted to be involved in identifying risks and hazards in their departments, in their workplaces, and being responsible for stepping up and sharing what they had found. And so, you know, we at a staff meeting, we started to create a system where the store staff could do this. And it totally changed the mindset of safety in the store. Just again, taking it away from the personal because we all now were working as a team and figuring out what is the system and the process that we need to make our store environment safe for all of us, you know? And, mm -hmm. I, and I think that's what these people are saying when they're saying these phrases is yeah. to take that step back, listen to those who are working in the environment and finding out what works for them in their unique environments. Yeah, good points, yeah. So Hugo's statement comes from his story where he was in that situation where management of the company wanted to implement the hop philosophy. So of course, Hugo got all excited there and like, where do you start? Do I boil the ocean or not? Well, he felt quickly found out that the operators were kind of going, you're going to do what? With hop, you know? So there's a bit of just stress because you don't know what it is. So they started small. And where did they start? They started with the work permit process, which I think we all have to go through. And as Hugo reported, they just went into it and just started to declutter. Not seem to be a very common word as well. And the word cloud is decluttering, trying to get off rid of the bureaucracy that's built over time. But everybody forgets to maybe go back and look, why did we put that in there first of all? And that's what they did. So they managed to declutter that. And in the process of decluttering, they found out that 
eh, there's no one to blame. It is what it is. And we just work on it and clean it up there. And did they get, and they're shooting for the perfect thing? No. And as Hugo says, more is not always better. I mean, just get something that's going and you start developing, if you like, the small wins, which then can lead on to the bigger wins. And then, then where you go. Vince, go ahead. Another thing I liked about that story is he, he um, oh. shares that story with, a, with an analogy or a metaphor from, from uh, weightlifting. And, and, you know, analogies and metaphors are great ways for people to learn. So I'd really like that little tidbit as well. That's right. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a good pointer. Yeah, Vince, go ahead. Okay, can you hear me? Yep, go ahead. Yep. Okay. I'm good. Uh, I have not contributed to the story, but, and I found that, find this fascinating, and it brings all kind of bells for me. Um, when I was working in environmental health and safety, uh, I've retired now. Uh, behaviors was a, was a huge thing. Uh, in addition, we introduced a no blame culture that made a tremendous difference. As a matter of fact, there was a big trust barrier we had to get through because people didn't believe that if they did something wrong, they wouldn't be blamed for it. We then moved to something which we called my brother's keeper, which was a fascinating approach. What it really said was someone comes to work and they turn to a coworker and say, watch me today. Last night we had an uproar in the house and son was arrested, this sort of thing. My mind is not here. My mind is not on my own safety. Watch me. That is really a step above. And this, the, the other thing we used is the words world class. We were moving to world-class performance that got people on board because they wanted to be a part of what was called world-class. Of course, that had to be defined and criteria set up, but nevertheless, they wanted to be world-class. Yeah, really good points. Thanks for that. Right. Okay. Yeah, Vince, thanks a lot. You know. World class, that's a shared vision, right? And, and Senge, when he's writing about the learning organizations, he says one of the things you need is a shared vision. I, I think that's a nice um, nice add. And if you read someone like Daniel Pink, who talks about motivation, again, uh, you've got purpose in that case. Mm -hmm. One of the other lessons that we learned um, as we went through all the stories is you engage people by asking questions and listening, okay, so, and that's basically, I think how you also build trust on that one here. Uh, Tanya, who's normally on, isn't available today because she had an interesting story. And her story, her emerging opportunity is, I didn't start with a company or an organization or a client because I launched um, going beyond safety compliance, I started with me. So she was her project. So she figured that number one thing I've got to do is develop my listening as a really, really good skill. Okay? And how do I ask questions and listen to them? Um, Rosa, you talked a bit about in your story about speaking up to power and the challenges of that. Right? Um, Richard Brooks. Um, Richard Brooks talks a bit about bright spots. What do you think he means by that? Bright spots. Is that uh, ring a bell with anybody? Yeah, Rosa. Oh, it's one of my favorite themes and that's positive deviance. That almost anything you're trying to improve is already happening somewhere in your organization, but we don't look, we don't ask, we don't look for it. And so those are the bright spots I look for. Like we're having this, big problem. Let's find out who's already solved it. I, I have used that to great success. So that's what I think bright spots are. What did he mean? Yeah. James McPherson's story was a story about where do you start? You, you get brought into organizations, so where do you start? And he suggested, well, you start by not with solution, but kind of like defining the problem. 
Um, let's, let's fold it in with Richard Brooks said, and maybe what we do is let's go find those bright spots, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good place to, where to go because obviously they're probably have really good positive stories that maybe they want to share and tell and inspire other people in the organizations. Can we do the same thing? Yeah. You know, Eric Bouchard tells a similar story and instead of the phrase bright spots, he talks about force multipliers as well. But, but I, I think it's finding those quick wins, those uh, existing opportunities, things that are going well and, and, and working from there. So again, starting small, but start, starting from a, from a positive first step. Positive deviance, I like that. I'm not sure if I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'd like to suggest those positive deviants or those experienced people that maybe understand work is done. We often talk about, well, we, we do talk a lot about the frontline people with that. Let's not forget, you know, the good old poor middle manager, which I was for many years. We seem to be the, kind of like the meat in the sandwich. Because uh, one of my stories would be when I was a middle manager running line crews, we'd have the C-suite come in, um, CEO, um, want to come visit my headquarters, which is fine, coming down. Um, they go right by me and they go straight to the front line and want to talk to the truck driver or someone and also do the photo op, right? And then just, which is, again, I didn't get in the way of that. That's all good. But then after that, turn around, shake my hand and leave. So sometimes I kind of felt as a middle manager, is my voice being really, really heard? So let's talk about bright spots too in management, right? Let's not forget about those people. Okay. Um, Elisa Lynch, Jeff, she had a really fun story. Can you share that? Doc, remember that one? Did you ask me to tell that story? Is that what you said? I'm, I'm yeah, Alicia, Alicia, Alicia Lynch's story. Yeah, so her, her story is basically about, um, Alicia's colorful, so she, her, her, her story is about having the crake, which means having fun. And, and one version of her, her one of the ways in which she has fun or has the crake is conversations with people. She is kind of a gifted conversationalist um, and, and she enjoys it and she likes other people. And, and she's found many of her successes, even if they're small successes, came just by going out and talking to people. And, and when if you read her story, that talking is asking questions and listening. So it fits in, in very much in that kind of Edgar Shine humble inquiry be friendly, be conversational, and listen away. Yeah, right. And I think I like her point about talking about safety without talking about safety as well. So again, it goes back to that um, thing that we talk about language and the sort of language that you may want to use. And it doesn't always have to be the safety jargon to get your point across. Okay. All right. We got we got a hand up from Mike. Mike, go ahead. Yeah. So just to echo what Jeff was talking about there um, with uh, Lisa's uh, story, when you do talk to people, that humility is so critical because you you might start to hear. Hopefully, you do hear how messy that reality is. And if you're in a leadership position where you could possibly influence that, or at least at a minimum, learn from what they're telling you, you have to be open to that and be willing to um, li listen, you know, as much as it might hurt, because it, it's, it's likely going to be very different from how you imagine, right? It's going to, it's going to be work as done. That's what you're hoping to find out about. So if there, that genuine response comes, you ask that question, be ready to hear whatever, be open to hear whatever. I think that's, that's uh that was a big one for us you know, with, with ours. We started with a similar conversation with a bunch of maintenance folks in a, in a room. And I wasn't sure, but I had a bet that maybe we had put too much clutter on them. And sure enough, you know, that's what we got. And it's, it's very colorful conversation. So if, if you have any ego attached to those wonderful controls that you thought were so innovative and creative, uh, you're getting, you know, rude awakening. So it's a, uh, Humility, that's intellectually honest about reality. I think that's the, I like that definition. And yeah. Mike, I'm, I'm glad you segued into that because I was going to ask you to do so. Could you tell us a little bit more about your story? 
Yeah, so it was a similar to I think what Hugo was talking about. You know, the result was was decluttering, but in an organization I had worked for, uh, it was started in a facility and then moved into more of a corporate role and was visiting other facilities and got to see some of those of uh, you know what I thought was wonderful ideas in action when actually it was very constraining to the workers in trying to get the job done. So while we felt very good about wearing our belts and suspenders and everybody doing the same thing, it really didn't create a lot of the, you know, the, the safety of work, like Proven likes to talk about. You know, we, were, we were big on the work of safety, but not so much on the safety of work. So that administrator burden that we were placing on folks made us feel good. It gave us something to audit. It gave us first thing I would go to a facility and say, Hey, let me see all your permits. Let me see all of your JSAs. I mean, whatever it was we were, we thought were really cool. And um, if kind of find out, you know, we're, they're doing all of our paperwork 30 minutes prior to, you know, it's cutting into the job. And so we, we actually just sort of flipped that. When we realized the inefficiencies that were there, we realized that we really weren't getting a lot of the gain on the safety of work. And we were just putting more onerous activity around the work of safety. Uh, we went to that G- post job brief, and this was something I think we had learned from uh, Bob and Andrea. They had come to one of our facilities and talked about. So um, we we tried that, and that was it was really interesting because when we when you gave them the freedom to say don't worry about doing all that stuff that you've been doing, there was a pause. They're like, well, wait a minute, does that can we do? Is that okay to do that? And because they're they just got into that motion, you know, that habit. So we, we ended up learning so much more because our pre-jobs were not very feedback oriented. They, they weren't create, giving us that learning feedback loop that, that we need. Jeff Liff, you know, he t- talks about the, the dumb, dangerous, difficult, you know, different. I mean, th- those, Papa Lady, I think first time I heard about it, but um, those nuances were never shared in a pre-job. But wow, do we learn so much in the post job? And, and when we put the planner in that room when those post job briefs started, that planner was um, he was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea this plan you know sucked so bad. I this is a lot. This is great. This is good information. So um, it did it did take humility. It did take some checking the ego at the door type thing. But we saw just tremendous uh, improvement in in that maintenance crew be, because of because of those migrating from a pre-job to more of a post-job in order to get that learning feedback loop established. Yeah, yeah. I think how you, I like how you talked a bit about um, we rarely follow the prescribed work plan. Workers constantly had to adapt to emergency situations here. So you can do as much as you want in your pre-job with work as imagined, but it's really work as done that happens. Yeah. Um, first of all, Tamara, did you have your hand up or is that just left over? Okay. No, I had my hand up. Okay. Go yeah. Ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I like where you're going about, you know, uh, work as imagined uh, and compared to work as actually done. And, you know, when I, I have a social work background, so when I came into health and safety, um, I kind of came at it from my social work training, right? Which is to to create a plan with our clients to figure out what was the direction that they needed to go in to be successful. So um, it, it was a very different culture when you sat, when, when I came in and people said, well, you're responsible for health and safety tomorrow because you're the health and safety person. And I, I was turning around, I'm like, what? This, no, I'm not, I'm not responsible for your safety. You're an adult, you're responsible for your own safety, right? Like we have to work together on making sure we have the access to the resources and everything that we need to make our whole environment safe. And it, it was um, a mind shift actually for management and supervision because um, working in a, an environment of marginalized workers, um, very high at risk workers, the vulnerable workers as we like to call, call them, um, it, it was, people were coming up to me and saying, this is the first time that I've been working in this in, in this kind of environment that somebody has asked me as the employee, like an adult, what do I need to do my job? And that just kind of was 
mind boggling to have have heard that from uh, very capable adults that were coming from different countries that were doctors, that were accountants, that were engineers, that if, you know, such wealth of knowledge from these people, from how they were seeing things. So, you know, I'm glad to see that we're kind of taking a different perspective these, these years. Thank Vince, you. you have your hand up? Yeah. Yes, a uh, couple of things. Number one, you're right on tomorrow. The, uh, that culture shift that went from the safety person is responsible for safety to everyone's responsible safety and the safety person gives advice. It's a major change. Uh, I remember, and this is going to tell you how long ago, that hard hats and safety shoes were out of HR because it was considered an employee benefit, believe it or not. A uh, couple of items I wanted to point out, then I'm going to have to run on you. I apologize. Um, I used to travel from the corporate office to the plants on a regular basis to interview, ask questions of the rank and file, not the management, the rank and file. And I learned two things which were phenomenal. And that is, number one, they turned in a lot of data, a lot of information, and they heard nothing. Mm -hmm. And they were upset about this. Why weren't they in the loop? They were creating the data. Why didn't they hear what was being done with it? And that that was presented to them more and more and more and more they felt involved. One of the interviews I had goes back a number of years, but it stayed with me. I had an individual one-on-one -on -one, and I, I spent a few minutes you know, taking it down because here's the corporate person coming. Why are they interviewing me? You know, I, I wanted to get past all that nonsense, and I did. And I said to the person, tell me, how important is safety to you? The response was amazing. He said, hmm, safety is as important to me it is, as it is to my supervisor. And I thought to myself, wow, this person is willing to take a risk if his supervisor wanted him to in order to keep his job. That was a revelation for me. I thought everybody was on board. No, everybody was not on board. So I just wanted to share you. That was an interesting comment from one of the workers on the floor. Got to leave you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Take care. Good. Take care, Vince. Thanks for coming. Okay. Right. So in the last 10 minutes, um, we thought we'd do something a little bit fun. Um, as you're probably aware, chat GPT is a hot topic right now. It seems to be the rage. I know that I've put my name in the waiting list because everybody wants to jump on there and ask a question. And I think you'd be interested to, if we ask the question of chat GPT now, for those that know what chat GPT is, it's just an artificial intelligence tool that can generate a human-like text. And while it's a rage and everything else, we also know too that we don't know whether we're getting misinformation, information, or disinformation. I know that I just read this morning that Microsoft Bing is using their version and it's creating some really like awful stuff. So I don't know what's happening. But if we were to go and if somebody can get into chat GPT and try it, if we were to ask chat GPT now, to tell a safety success story, what do you think we might get today? Because of course, what it does, it just goes ravages through like 147 billion databases or whatever, and it creates this human-like story. I think it'll take what it collects off the internet that's the most out there and spit that, out a biased answer. Right, so what is out there in the internet now that chat GPT would take? as their source and then produce the people who have access to the internet well there's that but what do you because, think but that leaves off the people who aren't on the internet but like think for about, example like yeah. just a second let me finish my thought so right now you have like a lot of health and safety people etc that have access to the internet right but when i was working at metro 
the store employees, they weren't looking up health and safety stuff on the internet. They weren't contributing to their thoughts on health and safety on the internet, right? So to me, I would, I would gamble, I would put a bet on here that you probably hear the voice more of uh, management and consultants than you would the actual workforce on the topic. And what would they be saying? What have they documented? Did you did you do a search already? I can't I can't get into ch Chat GPT right now because there's oh. a waiting list. I just wondered if you had done one. Previously. No, I haven't done it. So this is not a test. This is like okay, all right. And if you can get in before me and, and ask the question, share it. Like I, I don't know, but my feeling is that right now the dominant paradigm is safety one. Um, there's probably a lot of stuff on rules, compliance, legal stuff blame and punishment. So I'm really curious to see what chat GPT would put together and what sort of story and how would, and is that the sort of success story that we want to hear? Gary, do you, do you want me to read what, what, what I got today? Well, yeah, before we do that, I'm just want to curious to see um, any other thoughts, comments, what would we get from chat GPT? We Anybody? Okay. We'd get a lot of formula stuff. Could be. All right. right. A yeah. lot of, yeah, a lot of programs, approaches. All right. Now, would they all be positive or would they be negative? What would they well, be? No, I think I think we would just get people self-promoting. This is the way to do it. I have the answer. Okay. So you're thinking of the consultants with um, prescriptions. Yes, ah, exactly. Good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting to see how chat GPT would interpret that. Well. Um, Eric Holnagel reminds us that success happens a lot more often than failure does, right? But it seems that a lot of documentation we do is on failure. So if it, if it went in, ChatGPT went into all the safety science and everything else, what would they be reading about? Investigations, anything else? Who knows? I guess when one final is asked it. That's good. So, so one thing I asked Jeff is that Maybe over time, if we really hope to read a lot more stories about safety success stories, because people start entering them, and maybe we're part of that too, entering those success stories. Jeff, if, if you were to ask this question, we're, now we're hypothesizing, we're predicting. Jeff, what sort of story would we would like, maybe like to hear? If I were to ask ChatGPT, is that your question? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to. I would like to hear probably what I think many of us would like to hear, a, a story that um, that leads to, to better outcomes, depending on how we define outcomes. And, and I think those outcomes would include things like, uh, you know, a safer, healthier workplace, uh, a more pleasant workplace to be in, a more respectful workplace and uh, a company of people and, and organizations reaching goals. I think that's the kind of stuff I'd like to hear. And I'd be less interested in hearing methods or, or specific uh, methods you have to uh, follow. Okay, anybody else? On that? Okay. So Jeff, you have chat GP, yeah? We yeah, all so it. it's free. Yeah, I just uh, logged on to it. No, well, yeah. you can log on to it, then you get a hurry up and wait. Oh, no, I got a GP chat thing. Yeah, we all do. But did you log on? Did you get in? Yeah, I got in. Did you actually tell ask it a story? Not yet. I wanted no. to check. What are we asking it? You can ask it anything. Like, like so safety story? Is that what you wanted us to put in there? Well, yeah, the question would be, tell us a safety success story. Oh, that's simple. And just see what it comes up with. If you can get in, and this goes to anybody, um, I'm trying, maybe I got the wrong path I'm trying to get into, um, but I keep on trying. And I just said, you're, you're on the waiting list. So if you got in, good for you. Just ask that question and see what happens. You ready? Yeah.
Oh, seatbelt laws. <laughs> good one, good one. Interesting. So I can't read it. So maybe you can just quickly capture some things tomorrow for us. Yep. Uh, can you make your screen bigger or no? Are you on screen sharing? Yeah. Okay. Am I not? Can yeah, I, I can oh, yeah. read it tomorrow. Okay. I, I need to change my view then. Sorry. It's about the seatbelt laws. That that's the success story, and they're telling the story of how it. Um, Is that it? Accepted. Accepted. No yeah. kidding. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. It's can a great example. It? No, but um, if you can do a screenshot, I can't. Um, I don't want to go on full screen because I'll lose some stuff here. Yep. But this is cool. Um, very cool. That was very. Cool. I'm glad you got in. So don't don't log out. Stay in. No, no I will. So <laughs> Jeff, when you did it, what did you get? I can't get in. I, in I ran. I ran two different prompts. Um, okay. And, and I did have the, the problem that Gary's talking about for a while where I couldn't get in, but I did I did eventually get in. Okay. And and so the, the first prompt I asked was tell if I recall correctly, was to um <clears throat> tell me a, a new view safety success story. Ah. And then this morning I did a, a different one. And and so this morning's, which I, I haven't even read it, I just did it uh, before I went to work. Please write a story of an individual success at a workplace in occupational safety and health. And in this case, the response told me about a young man named Alex who started his career in occupational safety and health at a large manufacturing company. He was passionate about keeping workers safe and motivated to make a difference. When he started, he noticed the company's safety policies were outdated and ineffective. Workers were not properly trained on hazards. There were no regular safety inspections or audits. He knew he had to take action to improve the situation. He started by conducting a thorough assessment of the workplace and identifying the most significant risks. He then created a comprehensive safety training program for all workers and made sure everyone completed it. He established a regular inspection and audit schedule to ensure all safety protocols were being followed. But at first, some of the workers were resistant to changes, but he persevered. He took the time to explain the reasoning behind the new policies and provided hands-on training to help everyone understand the importance of following the new safety protocols. Over time, the results of Alex's efforts became apparent. The number of workplace accidents decreased significantly and worker morale improved as everyone felt safer and more supported. The company's management noticed the positive changes and recognized his hard work and dedication to improving workplace safety. As a result of his success, he was promoted to a leadership position in the company's safety department. He continued to make improvements and was able to establish a culture of safety throughout the company. Years later, when he retired, he'd look back on his career with pride. He knew he'd made a difference in the lives of countless workers by creating a safer and healthier workplace. His le legacy lived on as the safety culture he had established continued to thrive long after he left the company. And that wow. was chat GPT. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. And so I just put in, tell a workplace safety st success story. And the whole story about DuPont and their stop program came up. Ah, interesting. Okay. This is cool. This is really, Very really cool. cool. Thanks for introducing yeah. us. Thanks for doing that. that. This, this is, hey, this is life. <laughs> this is wild. Well, we are we at the top to, of the um... hour. So we, we do have to like respect the time. So Jeff, I'm going to get you to end it like we always do. What are your three takeaways that we want to leave with the viewers? My takeaway is this uh, one, I don't think I said this at the at the lead, and I just wanted to thank all the contributors. You know, like this is Meet the Author, and Jeff is not the author in this case. He was the compiler. Um, so my, my takeaway is there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of great work. And, and as I always say, I always feel this as a community that that shares and value sharing and, and follows through. And and so I appreciate all those people for doing those that good work and for sharing and being willing to help others. And, and I um, hope everyone has continued success. Okay. Okay. So on that note, um, back over to you tomorrow. And thank you everyone for joining us. And thank you to all those 37 um, authors for contributing to the book tomorrow. Yes, thank you everybody for coming to our show today. Um, we had a very good discussion. 
I did put in the chat the um, chat. Um, oh, what is it? Jet uh, G, uh, whatever the letters are. Um, yeah, it's on there. It's on, on there, there for people yeah. to download. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of fun. And we had very good conversations today about different people's stories and experiences. So thank you audience for again, joining us and making the show possible. And thank you, Jeff, for taking your time and joining us and sharing your book that you created and your time. This has been a wonderful session. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Have a great day. Bye.